Welcome back to The Good, The Bad and The Backlog, a podcast where in each episode we talk about a game that we've recently been playing from our gaming backlog. I am your host, Kieran, and today my co-host is the despicable blobby thing. It's Adam. Hey. How's it going, Adam? I've been working out. I'm not that blobby. I am despicable. Though. It's the despicable, not so blobby thing, Adam. Thank you. <laughs> you can almost maybe see a little bit of ab muscle if you squint. But Goodness gracious, really. if you if you really flex, lie on your back and hold that belly right down. Yeah. down. <laughs> if I suck it in and then I have a like take a selfie from a high angle and then up the contrast and the shadows, I almost have abs. <laughs> yeah. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not looking totally obese anymore, don't worry yeah. about it. Oh boy. <laughs> So how's things? Um, things are good. I am being, I am being very busy lately. You are being busy. Yeah, quite busy. I <laughs> suppose you would like to know why. Please do tell. Oh well, I have just started doing a six-month-long short course, and I'm trying to finish it in three weeks. So, <laughs> to be, to be fair, having having a six-month course be considered a short course seems a bit contradictory well i guess that's short compared to a three-year uni course but short course to me is like two weeks it's uh well it's like a you're getting a qualification out of it and and to be fair i mean slightly exaggerating it's you have six months to complete it right yeah but i'm trying to get through it as fast as i possibly can so it's been about a week and a half and uh-huh. the whole course is about 13 units long and i am almost finished the seventh unit as of today. Oh, so nice. Almost halfway. Another week and a half and hopefully I'll be completely finished and I'll have a qualification. So, woo! Got some good progress. Yeah, I'll I'll be um a cosmetic surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> you can finally operate on yourself. Exactly. <laughs> and um if I ever bring any dates home after drinking at the club, I can fix their faces in their sleep. Make them beautiful and how you how you want them to look exactly like don't you just hate it when you're lying next to somebody and you're watching them sleep and you're just like fuck that nose you could shave off a little bit of that bone they need a chin implant they could use like some filler in their cheeks like all that stuff i'm just like this i could fix this face if i had my certification dreams becoming a reality and you can you can take someone really ugly home and then just sort them out and in the morning they'll be beautiful and, and it will be like It'd be like a whole new you. Exactly. It'll be my charity work to the world. Yeah. Oh, amazing. <laughs> well, well, good for you, man. Thanks. Doing God's work right there. Yeah, exactly. Praise Jesus. The great old one. <laughs> of course, it's actually like business, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's nothing interesting. It's just like business admin. So it makes my um fucking resume look slightly okay. better when going for a job in a highly competitive uh situation i guess yeah a highly competitive world right now Mm. well that sounds good i haven't been nearly as productive uh because i have started working again now i started uh, on friday uh it's a pretty mundane job so i don't i don't really want to go into it but it's money so i'll take it how are your co-workers are there any hotties oh man most of the people are pretty pretty old Oh, I say old. I'd say like perfect middle aged. Oof. So, yeah, I mean, that's a bit beyond my realms of taste. I, I, I prefer them to be, uh, you know, not near getting their pension. But <laughs> hey, I guess we beggars can't be choosers sometimes. Exactly. But no, they seem very nice. 
<laughs> so I'm not going to complain too much. I pretty much left on my own the last two days, so it was uh, it was very easy going. Uh, but it also means that for my free time, I was just like gaming ridiculously. I also picked up two games this week. Ooh. I got Red Dead Redemption 2, which is going to take me millions of years to get through, no doubt. Yep. And also, <laughs> I've got Skyrim on PS4. Someone was selling out on Marketplace down the road for a fiver, and I just couldn't resist because that game is, oh man, it means a lot to me, that game. Yeah, but surely you haven't, you finished it before, right? Oh, absolutely. I got the Platinum on the PS3 version, so I figure I might as well do the exact same thing again on PS4. Yikes. Uh, and then waste another 200, uh, 300 hours Yikes. playing that game. <laughs> you could get a certification in that time. <laughs> I could. Why can't I get a certification for Skyrim? I feel like Elder Scrolls is a valid thing to have on my CV. Well, uh, until the, until dragons start attacking us, I don't think the skill set in Skyrim is really going to translate to the real world. Well, you know what? Speaking of dragons, I think this intro is dragging on and we should get on to the game. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> What's the game? The game that we've been playing this week has been Bloodborne. It's a third-person action role-playing game directed by Hidetaka Miyazaki and developed by From Software exclusively for the PlayStation 4. Uh, it's not strictly part of the Dark Souls universe, but it is heavily connected. Uh, however, the gameplay is very different from the Souls games, I think primarily because the speed of combat in Bloodborne is a lot more aggressive and fast-paced. And alongside the combat, it's got a very distinct design and aesthetic, with much of the setting being sort of gothic Victorian-era buildings, like huge cathedrals and clock towers, sort of like Hogwarts. Uh, it's received a whole lot of critical acclaim, and some people even say it's the best game ever made, which is a huge statement. I wow. think to start with... We should go into our experiences with the Dark Souls and the Soulsborne game. So, want to go first there, Adam? Um, yeah, sure. And also, just want to reiterate, when you say gothic, you mean like gothic European architecture from the 12th century to the 16th century, not like high school goths who are really into Jack Skellington. No, no, this game. <laughs> you know that video of those goths raving under the bridge? Uh, yeah. That's what I think of when I think of Bloodborne. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> instead of like uh, European and... and British English architectural stuff. It's just a bunch of goths dancing under a bridge. Oh yeah, it's just a really dull concrete bridge. Yeah. That's Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My experience with uh Soulsborne. So technically I, I guess Bloodborne is part of the Souls series because it's the whole name has changed now and Soulsborne is a is the genre. Yes. So with that franchise, I started off with Dark Souls on the uh Xbox 360 and so I loved the aesthetic of it and I love the whole medieval thing, but fuck man, that game was hard at the time and I gave up real quick and I sort of put it down for a good few months, almost probably almost a year. And then when I finally came back to it and gave it another try, something about it just clicked and that moment finally hit me and I was like, sweet, I have got this. And then from then on, I was completely hooked, finished that one, moved on to Dark Souls 2, finished that, moved on to 
Bloodborne was actually next, I think, in the release order. So I did that, mm-hmm. loved yeah. that, and then went on to um, Dark Souls 3. Loved that as well. Um, got Sekiro the day it was released in Australia and um, <laughs> like history repeating itself. I played for a couple of hours and fuck, that was so hard that I gave up. So I haven't gone back to that one, but eventually I will. So hmm. yeah, I would say I am quite a big fan of the Soulsborne franchise and series and yeah, Bloodborne is maybe my favorite, maybe. Ooh. Yeah, that's fair to say. It's a damn good game. Uh, my experience is not going to be quite as, as vast. Uh, I've played a bit of Demon Souls when it originally came out on PS3. Oh, I have that as well. I forgot to mention that. Did you beat it? Yes, I did. I got the Platinum oh, sweet. for Demon Souls on PS3. That was the last one that I got out of the entire franchise. So, yeah. Oh, so you went back to that after doing yeah. like Dark Souls 1 and 2? Sure did. Crikey. <laughs> well, that's that's pretty impressive. Bad I didn't play it for very long at all. <laughs> uh, uh, it was not that I didn't like it. I think I probably just kind of found it a little bit too hard and said, this is not for me. Yeah. Uh, and after that, I didn't come back to it ever. I never played any of the Dark Souls games. And I think from from software, I only ever played a tiny bit of like um, Evergrace back on PS2 millions Ooh, of years ago. I have that Just too. absolutely nothing like Dark Souls, I don't think. Perhaps in the difficulty sometimes. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I have played similar games like a Souls-like. I played Lords of the Fallen, mm-hmm. which I'm sure a load of people think is just like budget version of a souls game like a wish alternative <laughs> but I, I kind of enjoyed it so <laughs> i guess starting off with a, a shitter game like that is a good way to start and then jumping into bloodborne i think last year maybe the year before i immediately found it a little bit too difficult and rage quit and deleted the game <laughs> so i've uh, i've been playing it for about a month now and yeah I'm glad I came back to it is what I'll say. Yeah, I definitely had the exact same thing with Bloodborne where the first level in Yharnam was so hard that I put it down and walked away from it for a while. And then a couple of weeks later when I picked it back up again and I finally managed to beat that, that's when it clicked for that game and I was having a much better time. But yeah, and then I played it all the way to the end. It was the same for me. I didn't really understand it. I kind of... I'm not going to say I went into it blind because... It had been out for years. I had seen tons of videos about it, and and I knew that it was like a amazing game. But I don't think I truly understood the kind of ideas behind the game. Like I didn't fully understand the idea of getting to lamps and connecting areas of the locations, like all the little shortcuts and stuff you could find. Yeah. Um. And there's there's like a formula to the levels which I didn't appreciate. And then when I finally worked it out, got to the first boss got through that one that's kind of when i was i was in i understood and i wanted to continue yep cool cool um so i don't know what we should do first um or maybe the setup (laughs) oh the setup yeah i guess so even though i know like the whole story basically and like in-depth things about the law i still find it so hard to explain what the actual story is (laughs) (laughs) i think it's fair to say that this game kind of has law secondary to the gameplay. I think I think that's fair to say. Like everything is is kind of interpretive in the way that you see it. And some of the story, like I would say I got to the end of the game and I had missed like 99% of the side quests and the notes and stuff and things yeah. that might give you extra help as to what's going on. 
uh i end, ended up using like um podcasts and i can't remember that guy's name on youtube like vatya video or something like that vati vidya vati vidya yeah the smooth talking man who just uh explains lots of lore behind things you would never have really known and it's super interesting and those really kind of add to your whole enjoyment of the game but as you play you're not really given much. You're just dropped in to the game. You start off in this clinic. You set. You set. Oh fuck me. Yosefka. Yosefka's clinic, and you, you. There's this old chap who's giving you some kind of blood transfusion, and he says to you, uh, "Like the night is young, go kill the streets of Yarnum. <laughs> go cleanse the streets of Yarnum. There are ladies to and fuck. There, <laughs> there are ladies of the night to fuck. Get out there, you young man, and get your fucking dick wet." Yeah, that's what he says, man. <laughs> Unsheath your weapon and make it drip. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, you're pretty much let loose on the streets of Yarnum. You come out in this clinic, you find a lamp, and you end up going back to your safe place, which turns out to be the Hunter's Dream. I can't really explain what the hell the Hunter's Dream is or why it is, but it's like a little safe place, kind of graveyard with a little workshop at the top. And this is kind of your little safe place your hq where you level up get your items repair your weapons that sort of thing so in a nutshell uh you are a visitor to yarnum which is the city that this takes place in and in yarnum they worship like blood and shit so like blood of gods and stuff which is sort of poisoned the city basically and at the very start you end up having a blood transfusion with this old guy who it's essentially a contract between you and him to either save your life or stop you from turning into a beast or whatever. And by doing that, it's creating a contract to make you be a hunter. So from then on, you are now a hunter in Yarnum and it's your job to go out and hunt all the beasts that are terrorizing the city. And Bloodborne itself is set on the night of the hunt, which is when everybody locks their doors, hides away, and all the monsters basically come out and wreak havoc. So that's the gist of it. And because you've signed that contract with that old man, it now allows you to enter the hunter's dream, which is where this lodge is. And there's a lovely little doll in there who is basically like... um, If you've ever played Demon Souls, the woman in black from the Nexus is the woman who will let you level up and spend your souls to level up and all that sort of stuff. So the doll in the hunter's dream does basically the exact same thing, but with blood echoes. And um, that is basically your hub or your nexus. And um, from there, you can teleport to other parts of the city that you've unlocked and fight some monsters and bosses. And that's Bloodborne. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty interesting, the lore. Like, you do pick up notes and stuff as you go along there, and there's... You learn about the factions around Yarnum. You've got like, the Healing Church. They're the ones who are kind of into this blood magic. It's not magic. Blood transfusions. I think they found some weird um, alien creature underneath the in the dungeons of uh, of Yarnum or something like that. And they steal the blood from this, inject it into themselves because they think that's a good idea. And from this... It eventually gets out of hand with the blood transfusions and people turning into beasts because the blood is tainted. 
And yeah, you're a hunter on the streets of Yarnum going to try and kill these beasts. Yeah. So I, I don't think we should delve too much into the lore at all other than what the basic setup is. I think there are there are better places to find out about the lore. Yeah. And we like, wouldn't be able to do it very well <laughs> in a podcast. Exactly. And definitely check out the Vati Video YouTube channel if you've played the game and you're interested in the stories of these characters. Because I think the real appeal of these games is sort of discovering it yourself. Like it's always been a part of the Souls Born franchise, which is it's not a plot that is delivered to you in a traditional narrative way. You're set up to be a thing like a hunter on on the night of the hunt or in the original Dark Souls, you are, I think you're the undead one or, or can't remember what the exact term is, but you're tasked with relighting the bonfire or whatever it is. So you have a task, you go off in your journey, you go and do it. And you discover and flesh out the world by reading the descriptions from items that you pick up along the way. It's not like a narrative that's delivered to you as a player. And um, oh, I suppose you also interact with NPCs as well. But they're usually pretty few and far between. And they speak very cryptically. So they kind of allow you to put the story together yourself. And you have to put in effort yourself to figure it all out. And... Um, People like Vati Video who have the YouTube channel have gone ahead and done that for you. So once you've finished playing the yeah. game, jump on there and they'll basically explain it for you, any questions you have. But all the information is there to be discovered. Yeah, totally agree. And it is just very interpretive. I think that is the main thing to get from it. Like there is no one solid answer. Nothing is definitive. So uh... it's all just a little bit mysterious. There's going to be some definitive things, but I don't think oh, yeah. everything is. There's a lot of def definitive things that you find out along yeah. the way. When they're, when they're working from f a few notes or a small item description, you can't really get all the answers. So it's piecing things together and coming out with like a an answer that seems to make sense. And a lot of them are really good and really, really intriguing. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that are speculative about specific like NPCs and um, the entire history of the world isn't spelled out definitively. So there's a lot of guesswork for stuff like that. But there are some yep. really interesting side characters that um, have mysteries that are there to be solved by you if you pay attention. And it's super interesting. Like, yeah. did you do much with your Sefka's clinic? Oh, I, I mean, I did a bit. It depends what you mean by much because I played my game very much blind. The only yeah. thing I really looked for was like boss guides if i was a little bit stuck so it, i never really ended up doing many of the side quests it would okay. only be if i kind of bumped into a door at a right time so, sort of thing like i i would often forget to go back to check for side quests and see how things carried on and as such made some pretty bad decisions and missed out <laughs> on a whole lot of stuff i don't really mind though because they are just hugely optional uh, and i can always do them again in new game plus but yeah true I did a few and I kind of wanted just to have like my experience of the game as it would have been on the first playthrough, you know what I mean? Because honestly, like now I have played the game once, I don't think it would really take me too long to go th through another run, if you know what I mean. Oh, you haven't played a New Game Plus in a Soulsborne game before. <laughs> oh, no, I don't I don't mean New Game Plus. I literally mean starting again. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's totally fine. But holy shit, those New Game Pluses are <laughs> oh, yeah, fucking no, hard. I've, I've, I've heard of the, uh, of, the, <laughs> of the New Game Plus kind of ridiculous nature of the bosses and enemies and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to take that lightly. <laughs> All right. Well, you probably missed it. And this is a slight, very minor spoiler for a side quest in the game. 
but there is a character in the very first place that you wake up and start the game. You're in Yosefka's clinic and there's a, a lady there named Yosefka who you can talk to through the door. And you speak to her the first time and she has like a very helpful attitude sort of thing. And then you come back at another point and you speak to her again and her voice is very slightly different, but not different enough for you to notice because by the time you spent between seeing her for the first time and for the second time, you may not remember what she sounded like the first time. But what actually had happened in the game was that somebody had basically murdered her and replaced her. So you are speaking to someone who is now pretending to be Yosefka and they have dastardly plans and try and get you to send survivors back to the clinic so they can do some not so nice things to them. I did actually completely miss that, or at least I missed the second time you talked to Yosefka because throughout the game and you do encounter these NPCs, you can also tell them to go to the Church of Odin, which is another safe place. And if you you spoke to the person at Yosefka's Yosefka's clinic you can also send them there now I never had the option to do that because I obviously missed the second di- bit of dialogue where I would have received that message yeah so I was sending everyone to the tomb of Odin um but yeah that's pretty interesting so she's basically the wrong person to send them to and some some shit happens uh, okay. if you do that but it doesn't really like it, it never stops your progress or anything but it's one of those things where you have one of two options and in the end, you're still going to have all of the the same things available to you in terms of like umbilical cords, but we won't talk any more about that. <laughs> yeah, so items that would have been available from doing this side quest, you mean you can still you can still access most of them. Yeah, it's just that the context in how you get them from these people is completely different and really interesting. So that's one of those things where players for a very long time didn't even know that your Sefka had been replaced by an imposter until people looked a little deeper and, and realized that there were different voice actors for the different Yosefkas oh. in, the, in the credits. So there's Yosefka and then there's Yosefka's imposter. And nobody oh, even knew about That's such a cool it. ways to notice. Yeah. So like things like that are hidden and things like that and the law are there to be found if you want to sniff them out. And finding them is is really rewarding. And if you don't want to find them, just watch party videos stuff. But yeah, like the, the level of detail and, and effort that they put into crafting this lore is just staggering. So it's probably one of my favorite parts about the entire game or like the entire franchise of Soulsborne as a whole. Yeah, I have to say I, I agree. Uh, I wasn't expecting it either. Yeah. That's the thing that kind of took me. I, I wasn't really expecting much more than just like to venture through these towns killing bosses and some ridiculous thing happening at the end having yeah. the actual <laughs> weird supernatural and like lovecraftian lore going on as well that was super cool yeah i was just not expecting it at all oh stylistically bloodborne is just so different as well from the dark souls series so it's mm. it's um it's a departure but it is such an interesting departure and i think i'm probably more attracted to this style of of game than i am dark souls even though i love that but oh hp lovecraft and all that shit is like so up my alley that i i just fucking i eat that for breakfast (laughs) eat that shit up man yeah yeah it's it's just mad because even though this game has has been out for so long, it's been out for six years now. Mm-hmm. I uh, I was still kind of surprised to see this weird Lovecraftian and uh, that sort of departure from the game because all I had seen 
from my playthrough and from from videos and stuff had been i guess early early on in the game like i mean four sort of bosses in where you are just like a bumbling around the streets of Yarnum, and although it's all weird and there are beasts everywhere they they seem to resemble i guess like normal like monsters werewolves. you might have your weird kind of werewolfy humans right uh you just got your trolls your dogs sort of like anthropomorphic creatures that don't look too out of place or anything and then after you defeat i think it was rom which in itself is a weird beast um that's when you get a bit more perception and you can see things that are around the world that you couldn't see before and you see these goddamn amygdalas and they're just like massive spidery testicle monsters that are on the walls and you're like what the fuck is going on yeah it was it was like what i was not expecting this kind of stuff brings up another good mechanic uh shit what is that word it's not perception the insight that's it yeah so the yep. insight is a mechanic within the game so it's kind of like in in dark souls how you have your humanity in bloodborne your insight will affect the world around you and this is completely different from the souls games but it, it's so interesting because the higher your insight the more likely you are to see basically the fabric or, or the illusion of the real world fall apart. Like there's a part at Odin Chapel where if you walk to a certain area in the graveyard, you'll be picked up by an invisible monster and killed immediately. But if you have enough insight, you can see that is actually an amygdala like hanging on the wall of the chapel. And it's been there the entire time, but you just can't see it until your inside is high enough or until after you've beaten Rom the vacuous spider. Yeah. And that exact thing happened to me too. Yeah. And, and, and it's not just that though. It, it affects like so many other things. Like it affects the amount of eyeballs that are on certain, certain uh, enemies. And there's a boss as well. If your inside is high, they become significantly harder. Or if you have zero insight they won't summon any enemies into the arena to fight you it's just them yeah so there's like all these different changes that happen depending on how high or low your insight is and oh fuck i just love that shit so much effort it's super interesting but it's also much like many other aspects of this game where you don't really know what it is or what it does yeah uh, and so unless you look it up you're really kind of just Play, playing as you go and, and finding out what stuff does so you, you might not appreciate that insight makes you see these things or makes things harder or easier uh unless you like lost your insight and noticed the difference yourself it is kind of it's a it's a really interesting gameplay mechanic that, yeah yeah I, ju I just think it's a really cool touch it's one of two things it's your you're either going to notice it retroactively after you've had your blind playthrough and i know it's really popular mm. for a lot of people to do entirely blind playthroughs of souls born games without referencing any guides on their very first run that's just the thing that some people do yeah or you're going to do what from software assumes that most people do which is look shit up like straight away <laughs> <laughs> and I, I appreciate the fact that from software knows that 
We live in a world where if you want information on something, all you're going to do is pick up your phone and you're going to Google it. So they're going to assume that most people will be referencing some sort of guide or material online. So even having that explanation given to you immediately and noticing what it does, it doesn't really change how you play the game. It just gives you a little bit more insight into what everything means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Maybe that's why they called it insight. <laughs> maybe. There's a whole thing about like eyeballs as as symbols and stuff in this game. So you'll notice. Oh yeah, that's that's very interesting with the yeah. whole Bergenworth people and like the the um the college as well. Yeah, all that stuff is is mad. Yeah, um, why people <laughs> are wearing blindfolds and that sort of thing. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of symbolism to do with eyeballs. So I, yes, those last three or four sentences we just said. Anyone who hasn't played this game is just going to be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested though. Yeah. When you when you started the game, how did you make your character? Like every Soulsborne game, you're except for Sekiro, you are able to create a custom character and choose mm-hmm. a um, basically like a background or a preset of, yeah. of stats and stuff. What did you go for? And and I'm curious as to how you built your character as well. Okay. Well, I didn't really put much thought into this, mm-hmm. which perhaps was a mistake. But uh, you know, that's what I've done. Oof. Um. So I can't actually remember the exact title that I'd actually given my character, but I seem to remember it was like uh, it was kind of like the equivalent of a soldier or something like that. Oh yeah, uh, like ex-military that sort of thing. I'd have to find like a list of the things and I'd be able to pick it out. But yeah, it was something like that. And then my character's build was pretty much strength based uh, because I used the hunter's axe and I only used the hunter's axe really, um, not forgetting the uh, gun. Yeah, but. Yeah, it was it was a hunter's axe build, so that carries on and links with the strength stat and skill. So most of my skill points were were on strength and skill, and uh, otherwise just vitality, pretty much. Okay. Did you make an attractive character? <laughs> well, I just made him like me, so naturally he was beautiful uh, <laughs> and bold. <laughs> but honestly, the character design. Uh, creation thing in this game it's not particularly in depth like you've only got a few amount of faces you can go between so yeah none of them are exactly <laughs> quite like me i spent a, a long 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 amount of time trying to make my character look attractive i think i must have spent a couple of hours in character creation just fiddling wait with is the face this settings. the one that you sent a picture of to me no the, the no, hideous no. one that <laughs> made me wretch a little bit <laughs> no that was um so i do this thing in in souls games where i alternate between being a male and a female in each each of the entries so for bloodborne right. i was a, a very attractive man character and then i went back a couple of days ago to just start again and refresh my memory and um i tried to make an attractive female character and fuck that was virtually impossible <laughs> um she came out looking like a beast but um I, I did take note that the character customization in Bloodborne specifically is very, very British and very European because they have these giant noses and weak chins. <laughs> As opposed to the Souls game. That describes me right there, man. <laughs> no, you have a you have I mean when I when you when you think about like weak chins and big noses, think like Prince Charles ish kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I noticed in particular this one compared to Souls 
games. Um, Souls games have very different facial structures because they're, they're like almost like Scandinavian area. Oh, and that's this one's cool. like very specific, like British European. <laughs> I guess that ref- reflects the the design of the architecture as well a little bit, I suppose, too. Yeah, like they, they go to the, the effort of not just like having... Um, I don't want to say accurate architecture, but they're going for a specific style architecture and they're keeping it consistent by having your character customization draw from that region as well. So that's really interesting. Mm, yeah, that is cool. Yeah. So how, how did you build your character when you first played? Yes. Oh, um, and also should mention um, the weapons in this game are called trick weapons. So unlike any other game in the series, they have two forms which you can switch between. So the weapon that I used is actually considered to be the noob weapon or the most accessible for casual players. And is that the cleaver? No. <laughs> oh. I think I started off with the cleaver. But then I switched to Ludwig's sword. Oh, yeah. It's like a great sword, like a huge sword. Of, think of like a, a cloud from Final Fantasy VII giant sword, but then it's it switches into a smaller sword. So those are the two forms for that. But there are other weapons that you can experiment with well, it's like the cane that turns into um, basically like a whip, which is like a bladed whip, which is kind of cool. So all the different <laughs> weapons have different forms and they're all action based because the game is so fast paced and, and dodgy as in like yeah. evasive. <laughs> it's a dodgy game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I suppose we should probably talk about um, the, the fighting and stuff. Yeah. So combat is the word. We've mentioned that it's more fast paced than Dark Souls. Yeah. Uh, that's because this game kind of doesn't really use shields much. I mm-hmm. think there is a tiny shield you can actually get, which is pretty pathetic and I think actually lights on fire if you like defend against a fiery enemy, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh it kind of relies more heavily on you using the guns and stuff to uh parry your enemies. Oh. So if you time a uh, left trigger gunshot just just when an enemy is about to attack you or like certain enemy is about to attack you you can parry their attack which will make them stumble and then you can do a visceral attack if you t- attack at the right time and this will kind of do a little animation where you stab them and deal a ton of damage to them and i must say that is such a satisfying thing to do when it actually when you when you get it spot on and you get those visceral attacks man it's just Oh, chef's kiss, you know, so good, so satisfying. I have to ask, are you good mm-hmm. at parrying? Because full confession from my end, um, <laughs> even though I've platinumed the game, and I've, I know I've said this a lot of times, I'm just very proud that I've done it. But <laughs> after having getting the, even yeah, getting man. the platinum, yeah. um, I need to confess that I almost never parried and I hate parrying. I would just instinctively dodge out of the way rather than try and parry something because nine out of ten times I would totally fuck it up. I'm just not good at it. <laughs> um, it really depends because the problem with the parrying and the fact that there are so many enemies is that each enemy has like a... Like some enemies are easy to, to parry. They have a larger window where you can actually get the parry in. And sometimes you have to be so precise that and if you miss the parry, they're going to hit you. So you've kind of, you've risked it and it's it hasn't paid off. So you might have just been better off dodging and then going in for a heavy attack or something. Yeah. So if I know that I can parry, then I will parry. That's kind of what I'm saying. Like if I've, if I've practiced it and I know it works and I can do it, then yeah, I'll go for it. But because I've got the axe as well, which is, I suppose, more on the heavy side of the weapons, like it's not too quick, then... I would often just just use like a heavy attack and rely on the the rally to get my health back if I got hit. Right. Um, but yeah, man, some of the bosses I absolutely needed the parry and like Gascoigne, it was pretty key. 
all of the hunters like uh, was it uh, maria from the dlc oh she's a great one that one was like a really good fight and it was really satisfying same as the blood staff beast got a load of parries in on that one and i think i used it far more in boss fights than i did in any of the like little minions running around but there's, right. there's a few exceptions of course okay but yeah cool mechanic yeah i'm glad that you brought that up about the uh not blocking and you're mostly doing dodging instead or parrying Another key difference between this and the other Dark Souls games is that you can regenerate some of your health by damaging enemies. So there's a point where once you get hit by an enemy, there'll be a little marker on your health bar, which is this is how much health you're about to lose. And if you're fast enough and you get a few hits in to the enemy, you can recover some of that health before it completely depletes. So yeah. that incentivizes in Bloodborne a much more aggressive playstyle than any of the other Dark Souls games which is one of the reasons why it was so difficult for me to pick up when I transitioned from Dark Souls 1 and 2 to this was because I was so used to instinctively having a shield up and defending and then going from that to being more aggressive was a big adjustment at the time. But, oh man, it was so fun. Yeah. It was almost playing like a Devil May Cry game or something. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I thought. And I, I was the same. I didn't realize that that was a thing at all. Um, and because I was actually struggling with the cleric beast, uh. and I wasn't, I wasn't playing aggressive enough. This is what I discovered, um, and then I learned that you can regain that orange, that orange bit of health, which is the the rally, by the way, because like you, you occasionally have a gem or a cow or rune or something you can apply that might say something like boost rally potential. Oh. If you have that, then the damage that you might take, which will be displayed in the orange bar. I think with the rally potential, it doesn't go down so quick. So you can regain that health by attacking for a longer period. Once I learned that this was a thing and you just want to like play aggressive with the bosses or some of them, that definitely changed my perception of the game and I managed to get a whole lot better at it. Uh, and it was it was cool. So like combining that with the switch weapons, which I really like, it kind of reminded me a whole lot of my time playing Monster Hunter World. Right. And I know like a lot of people don't really like it to compare games to other games and say this is like a souls game uh but in this case the combat for me was very similar to monster Hunter world because from my experience in that game i was always playing with a switch axe which is just like this you've got two formations or, or like abilities that this, the weapon can take like a light sword and a heavy sword that sort of thing mm -hmm. and it's very fast paced lots of dodging lots of attacking behind and for me they just kind of very similar combat games so that's what I enjoyed about this, man. The the speed. The speed okay. was so cool. So, hang on. Back up a second. So, you're telling me that you got all the way to the cleric beast before you realized that your health regenerated when you attack people? Yeah. How did you manage to do that? <laughs> There's like literally little guys on the floor holding up notes saying, come and read me for the game tutorials. Did you miss all of those? Well, I, I did read some of them, man. But <laughs> that, was, that was very early on in the game. And... I forgot some of it. Okay, <laughs> I was pretty too busy focusing on the the weapon abilities and all the. There's, there's, there's tons to focus on, man. There's tons of things in this game. Okay. I can easily miss that one thing. You got a little overwhelmed, even though you know the the blood is a big part of this game. I just missed that one bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, speaking of blood, in this game, you heal yourself using blood vials. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I've heard this from a lot of like. Dark Souls fans who criticize Dark Souls 2 in particular for having items to regenerate your health. But then right. they will go ahead and praise Bloodborne for having items to regenerate your health. And for reference, 
in, in the original Dark Souls, you have an Estus flask, which is basically a flask with some sort of healing potion in it, which you can only use a finite amount of before resting at a bonfire again. Okay. So you would have like seven uses or whatever, and then you would try and get through a level healing yourself only seven times before you can get to the next bonfire. Otherwise, you're all out of healing and then you got to like rush to get back to safety or whatever. Whereas in Bloodborne and Dark Souls 2, you have usable items where you can just heal yourself using them. So that's the difference between those. But now that I think about it, only Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls 3 have Estus Flask. Bloodborne, Dark Souls 2, and Demon Souls have items that heal your health. So now it's more mm-hmm. items heal you than Estus Flask heal you. So technically, Estus Flask are the least popular option. Estus Flasks are in the Estus. minority. Yeah, in the minority. Estus. That was just a weird sort of train of thought that I had, and I lost track of what I was supposed to be talking about. But anyway, <laughs> Blood Vials replaced Estus Flasks in this game. I've heard people who don't like the fact that you kind of have to go back to the Hunter's Dream to replenish them and have to have tons of Blood Echoes to buy them. True. I kind of do agree, but only when I'm annoyed at the game. Yeah. <laughs> so in the sense, like, when I keep on losing and I've lost all my Blood Echoes and then I have to go and farm more Blood Echoes to be able to buy more Blood Vials, that sort of thing. This is happening to me right now because, to give you context, the other day I got the DLC for the game and I am currently... Switching between trying to kill Orphan of Kos and Lawrence, the first vicar. And um, I'm getting there, but it's taken me a long time and I'm using a ton of blood vials and losing all my blood echoes. So I'm like, after each defeat, I then have to go get more blood echoes so that I can buy more blood vials. And it just lengthens the whole time a whole lot. Yeah. But what I'm just doing to intersperse it is just like getting enough blood echoes so that I can level up at the same point as getting the blood vials. Pro tip, mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to actually farm blood vials, not blood echoes. That will make it much faster. Oh, I do the same at the same time. Okay. As long as you're aware that there are like certain sections where you can go and just kill certain enemies and they'll just replenish your blood vials much faster than other people. Yeah. I mean, early on in the game, I would literally just jump straight back into Yarnum in like the, ver- the, f- the, the very second lamp you can get to and then just go around killing the enemies, one hitting them, getting the blood vials and then okay. just running on back but now i found better areas where i can actually get a good amount of blood echoes and blood vials at the same time so it's kind of like the best of both worlds perfect um yeah that is a criticism that's definitely valid is um that the healing is a finite resource now that i think about it i think i do prefer the estus flask (laughs) it's definitely more (laughs) useful because you have um an infinite amount of uses for it well, not uses, but you have every time you rest, you, you just replenishes and you don't have to worry about farming any materials or grinding for anything. And right. I think Bloodborne is probably one of the only examples in the whole Soulsborne series where it actually sort of forces you to farm stuff, which would be um, the blood vials, everything else like blood echoes and souls and, and, and any sort of currency that you have just sort of comes with the game and your regular progression. So for reference... Blood Echoes is your currency for buying items and also leveling up. So I think a lot of people who are RPG enthusiasts are probably um, sort of of the mentality where you think, hey, I'm just going to grind out a lot more experience and level up and that'll make the game a lot more easier. You can kind of do that, but 
it sort of staggers your progression. So after a while, you're only getting a small amount of blood echoes in one place and the cost of your stat points going up is going to get much higher and higher. So it's probably better to just play it and level yourself up naturally rather than grinding out uh, the currency to level up. Yeah, for sure. I kind of learned that a little bit early on. I think you might have mentioned actually just like don't bother trying to level up too much. Just get good at the game. <laughs> that yeah. sort of thing. It's definitely like these. this whole franchise, like you have people doing challenge runs where they're they unequip all of your armor and just run around in the character's underwear trying to beat everything with no defense yeah <laughs> so, yeah i'm pretty sure I, there was a video on my recommended videos on youtube the other day that was like no hunter's dream uh no blood vials no weapon no <laughs> it was like yeah what? all these challenge runs are crazy yeah it's challenging enough thank you very much yeah i saw one which was I didn't watch the whole thing, but I saw one that was recommended to me, which was like, no experience, all bosses, no level up challenge or something. And I'm like, holy shit, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, props to them. Yeah. I am not that hardcore. <laughs> uh, yeah, me neither. I, for the most part, used a guide when I played this um, just so I didn't miss anything. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of brought this up in one of, I think I might have brought it up in the last podcast or maybe one of the earlier ones, but... I think using a guide for a Souls game comes recommended from me and there's absolutely no shame in doing it because at the end of the day, you may be using a guide which shows you where things are and what the strategy is to beat the boss. But if you're not skilled enough to pull it off, that guide is not going to do shit for you. So yeah yeah i have no shame in being like okay i've used a guide to pinpoint where all the decent hidden items are and what all the side character triggers are for side quests and stuff because i don't want to miss anything i'm loving um everything that it has to offer but i'm i'm still going through the levels myself i'm still trying to survive myself and i'm still dying yeah. continuously because this game is fucking hard <laughs> yeah you can watch a video of someone do it and they make it look easy but then you try and it's just like what the fuck this is insane yeah exactly so just because you have the knowledge doesn't mean you have the skill and I, to be fair with this game it's not like you're gonna really have spoilers too much unless you literally like look at the end boss that sort of thing but even if you do I don't think it spoils much because um, in this case, I, I did know what the last boss was like well ahead of time. Yeah, I think it was spoiled for me as well from one of those stupid top 10 lists somewhere. Yeah, well, I like knew that I, what I was watching. <laughs> I could perfectly quit ahead. I just didn't really care too much. And I, I still don't think it cared. I, it was just as cool, even if I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's difficult to say because I did know. So it's uh, who can say how I would have felt. But I still enjoyed it. It didn't ruin anything for me. But it's like it's like you say, a guide would definitely help with some things. And I think one thing that I probably would have or could have done with would have been looking at like cutoff points for availability of side quests or like the completion of side quests, that yeah. sort of thing. Because I ended up just like getting carried away with running through the levels, killing the bosses, and I kind of forgot to go back check some check some doors to talk to some people to see if I could do something else, or I just made the made a mistake with the side quests. Like there, there's one time where you encounter this mysterious man with bandages on his eyes, on his head, and he's just like, I think he's a can cannibal. I didn't realize this, but I sent him to the uh, Odin Chapel, <laughs> and he ended up kind of being a beast and i think killing most of the people in the chapel yep so uh yeah that was that that was my mistake for not really realizing that he was eating people i don't think that was a bad person it's not a bad mistake though that's just part of the that's part of the franchise it's learning 
it's um <laughs> it's not a mistake because you're still able to complete all the side quests like those people that he kills you're not going to get anything more from them than what you would have already gotten um, I, actually, I think he might kill one person, which is valuable for later on. But he kills her last. I'm pretty sure he killed the. I don't. I don't remember the name of the weird, malformed woman. Was it man? I don't even know. It's a man um, <laughs> in the Aiden Chapel. Yeah. yeah, the the one who's who invites people in there basically. Yeah, technically, you don't need him for anything. Yeah. Um. So there there are like some missable items and stuff, but Soulsborne games do this to you. They trick you into doing things or making you think that you're making the right decision and then it has repercussions. Like, for example, sending people to Yosef's clinic rather than the chapel, all of them will wind up dead. Or inviting that guy back to the to the chapel and he winds up being a beast and killing everybody. There's one in Demon Souls as well where you free an, a golden knight from a cage and then you invite him back to the Nexus and he starts murdering all the NPCs. <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> it's just like one of those things where... Shit, I just found this thing and it happened, but I don't think you should ever look at it like fuck I made a mistake, I want to go back to a previous save file because you can't do that anyway. You need to live with your with the repercussions. Oh, you can. It's a real pain actually. No. Because it's beautiful. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm just, I want to talk about one particular time, okay, which um isn't specifically related to a side quest. It's more or less just like an NPC that I accidentally attacked and it and he got very aggro against me and then i like immediately quit the game i didn't exit the game i just quit out and loaded back in and it was he was still aggro it's like it's saved in the f- five seconds that i hit this guy and then quit out it was like what yeah why is this game so quick on saving it's just you have to live with your choices in these games it's just one of those things like i i have learned but it the wasn't hard a way. choice it was a mistake doesn't matter you make mistakes in real life you got to live with them <laughs> your parents made a mistake when they had you <laughs> i'm just kidding oh, <laughs> obviously bad man <laughs> but no i learned that the hard way in dark souls the first time i played it because i killed an npc and once you kill an npc in any of these games they're dead for good there's no bringing them back it's not like one of those oh, games from the 90s yeah. where people just respawn yeah although i almost killed the doll in the uh in the hunter's dream and i was a bit concerned that if i did she wouldn't come back but apparently she does yeah okay she's maybe like the only one that comes back i think but then she's not strictly a human and it is a dream yeah exactly it's an exception but like every other npc even the ones that have important side quests or interesting side quests if you kill them they're gone for good and it's actually a viable option in some of these games to just forego the side quest completely and kill the npc and take their items yeah so yeah i did end up doing that sometimes yeah so it's it's a viable option for a lot of them in in many of the other games but yeah i love that like even we were saying earlier the so if you make choices in things and you think you've made a wrong choice or whatever um you just kind of have to live with it and deal with it but that's the beauty is you don't know what's going to happen until you actually make a decision at least when you're playing blind or if you want to do the guide thing, then you know exactly what you want and what kind of rewards you're going to get for doing it, which is fine, but you get to see it play out. And I still found that satisfying. So I don't think it really yeah. took away from any of my enjoyment from the game. That's the thing. I don't think there is any, like strictly speaking, right or wrong choices in this game because yeah. almost all of them result in something bad to someone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are there are things. Did you hear about, um, so in Odin Chapel, this is very minor for anyone who's listening and is worried about spoilers. But you know how you save the whore and then you... Mm -hmm. (laughs) The whore. The sex worker, Adam. Sorry. (laughs) The prozzy. The prostitute. (laughs) The fucking... The lady of the night. 
the fucking whore of Babylon. Anyway, you save the prostitute. All of the above. <laughs> you save the prostitute and you save the nun. Did you know that there are situations where the nun gets so jealous if you accept blood from the whore that she will try and murder you? I did. Yeah. yeah I watched this video and apparently if you're talking to uh, to this, I can't remember her name. Which one? Is it Ariana? Uh, gosh, I don't know either, but she's just a blonde-headed whore. Yeah, the, the blonde whore. <laughs> if you talk to her, then the nun will kind of peek around the corner and look at you as you talk to her. Yeah, it's such a creepy detail. Yeah. Love it. I never even met the nun, <laughs> so I don't even know who that is. Oh, well, you missed out on her, but um, yeah. yeah, anywho. So yeah, I there, there are tons and tons of little details that they put into these games, which I absolutely appreciate. I think they're fantastic. You know, when the whore offered me her blood... I rejected it because I was like, bitch, I don't know what you've got. I actually rejected it as well because I don't want any sort of sexually transmitted diseases. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I can turn into a beast, but mate, I don't want like fucking chlamydia. Whore blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep your fucking whore blood to yourself. Whore. Rutgar whore. Speaking of details, I, I yep. when I booted this game back up again last week, mm -hmm. I forgot how great the environments still look. Granted, some of the character models look, look their age. It's it's a launch title for yeah. PlayStation 4. But man, the aesthetic. No, and it's not. <laughs> yes, it was, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. Wasn't it? Look, uh, what was PS4 was like 2013. This game came out in March 2015. Oh, well... It was the first game I got when I had my PS4. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was launch for you. Yeah. For me, it was out at launch, which means that when I <laughs> bought the PlayStation 4, it was available. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't buy things at launch anymore anyway. <laughs> Thank you for making me feel like an idiot, you fuck. <laughs> Dairy man. You did that yourself. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Anyway, considering that it was made in 2015, the character models do look their age, but the aesthetic and the environmental design, fuck, it's so beautiful still. So beautiful. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I wish there was a photo mode. I just wish I could like take oh, yeah. better photos in game. Are there other options to turn any of the UI off so that you can have like a pretty bare bones screen and display? I don't think there is an option for that, unfortunately. But yeah. it, it sort of applies to all of the the Soulsborne games, their environments, and like you just go to any cliff on any Soulsborne game, look out at the environment, and it's fucking gorgeous. Those environmental designers uh, yeah. know exactly what they're doing. They're so good. Oh man, I mean, I particularly liked it when you went to Kanehurst Castle and you could look over the over the bridge to to back at Yarnum. That was pretty cool. Yes, that's a great detail. They have that in the original Dark Souls as well, which is because everything is so intertwined. As you progress through the level, you can look back at the horizon and see, you know, where you've come from, basically, and all the buildings you've been through already, and even look in the other direction and be like, holy shit, what's that over there? Are we going to get there? And yes, you are. Yeah. So cool. And kind of 
kind of on that sort of topic, I one of my favorite things about this game was realizing that like although sometimes the areas feel pretty massive and maze-like all it takes is for you to unlock one little shortcut and you realize you're back at the start of the area and yeah. everything links up and you're like wait this is actually quite a small area i've only gone like a, <laughs> a couple meters uh that sort of thing blew my mind in it especially so when you actually get back into yosefa's yosef oh jesus christ how many times we're gonna try and say <laughs> that yosefka's clinic when you find like a backdoor into her uh clinic from <laughs> the forbidden woods you know i mean you see africa's uh back door you know what i'm saying yeah um <laughs> enter through the rear <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then you unlock another door and you realize you're back at the exact same point you started and you're like wow yeah it's it's all come full circle amazing that is the beauty of dark souls games well most of them anyway yeah yeah it's super cool yeah i should note though Anyone who's listening to this who hasn't played Demon Souls, it's not in Demon Souls. They don't do that in Demon Souls. Oh, yeah, that's a shame. Well, it was the first game, so you know they're trying things out. True, true. Um, okay, what's next? I wonder, do you have any favorite areas? Oh, okay. You know what? I actually really love the DLC levels, and I don't know if that's because it was the most recent part of the game that I played before I stopped. Mm -hmm. But I loved the the like seaside town oh yeah because it just it gave <laughs> seaside <me> town <laughs> <laughs> that, the fish the fishing hamlet the quaint little <laughs> seaside village <laughs> the, yes so quaint only filled with massive shark giants and everything is covered in barnacles yeah it's lovely <laughs> it was just it was so lovecraft because it was exactly like the lovely seaside town from Dagon, if anyone's ever seen that film or heard of it. So basically a bunch of mutated fish people. So I love that. And of course, the the stage of the final boss, the Orphan of Kos. Um, like it's my favorite arena because it is so big. And I'm just going to chuck it out there. It's also my favorite boss. And I want to know your favorites as well later. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I really liked the, um, I think it was like a mental like a um, sanitarium kind of like place. What's the name for that? The place where they did all those experiments on those people and they wound up getting really big heads. Oh, oh! so this place was the research yes. hall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with like those, the staircases that you could twist around. Yes. I just loved yeah. that because every, um, like there were enemies there that looked the same as the NPCs and the NPCs will be these people with massive swollen oh, heads that man. are strapped to chairs. That was super weird. Oh, and then some so of creepy. them had actually just turned into blobs. Yeah. And you go up to them and they literally say plip, plop, plip, plop. Yeah. It was creepy. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, it's so weird. Um, and I also really liked the um, the level leading up to Bergenworth. So the place with the, the forest with all the snakes and it's just like a fucking oh, pube bush of snakes. Woods, yeah. That bit was a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Just massive piles of snakes around every corner. Yeah. It was like a tumbleweed, but made out of snakes. Just these fucking. Yeah. Just really moving slowly towards you. Yeah. Like Medusa's oh. pubes. <laughs> That's what it was. She <laughs> shaved her pubes and left them around the woods and they were alive and coming to get you. Exactly. I'm sure there are tons of them that I've like tons of other areas that I've forgotten. But for the most part, I just loved oh, like so going many. through and exploring each area and um those are probably the most memorable to me. So, oh, oh, one more, one more. Uh -huh. That place where you need to go up the cliffs and it's the first time where you meet Patches the spider. 
it pushes you into the ravine. Oh, that's in one of the nightmare places, I think. Yeah. Maybe front, Nightmare Frontier, I think, maybe. Yeah, I liked that place. It was... Um, it's got like the poison swamps and stuff. Yeah, and most people typically hate any level in a Souls game that has poison. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked it. <laughs> yeah, you know, my problem with those levels is that I was loath to adventure too far because of the poison. Yeah. Uh, and so because of that, I reckon I ran through it quicker than I would of most other levels and missed quite a lot of things just because I didn't want to have to deal with the poison. So as much as the design and stuff could be cool, because of the poison, I just missed out on probably a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'm probably thinking of it more with like roast into glasses and and particularly yeah. the aesthetic that I liked. But um, if I'm remembering correctly, that's also where you fight an amygdala for the first time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Yep. So that was traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, what about you? What what levels or, or areas did you like most? And mm. part two, who were your favorite bosses? Okay, well, actually, I was, I was going to ask if you had any like a- areas that you really didn't like, but I'll just cover some of my favorites and you can have a think. Okay. I mean, straight up, I really like inner city cathedral ward, just yarn them around the area. Kind of yeah. feels like home at some point because you keep on coming back there. And although the enemies around there are going to kill you and stuff, and they're all it's all very nasty, just feels kind of homely. I like it. But also, Kanehurst Castle, I think that is probably my favorite level. It seems very separated from everything else because it is. I think it is technically optional, but it's it has my favorite side quest. Bosses were cool, and I just generally like the design, all the libraries, the weird ghost ladies. I didn't find it very difficult, which perhaps also makes me <laughs> like it more. Yeah. There's no poison. There are the weird spidery things with the massive like sacks of blood that explode when you kill them. It's so disgusting. There's like one corner where there's three of these spidery things sucking up the blood. One of them is like so fat it can't move. And then you kill it, it just explodes into blood. Like, oh my god, <laughs> this is absolutely grim and I hate it and I love it. Cool. Um but yes, I, I, I do agree. I like the research hall and the the clock tower and the DLC. Those were super cool. Yeah. Um, I know what you mean about the fishing hamlet. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but it was very interesting. Certainly unique. One of the most unique kind of areas in, in the game, I think. I think it's because it's so different to everything else that came before it that it yeah. really stuck out. Oh, it out. absolutely is. Yeah. 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 It's very distinctly, distinctively different. Yep. Keep going. <laughs> and and your bosses? Um, well, I was just actually going to mention ones that I really didn't like. Oh, yeah. And I think this is primary well this is a few reasons so <clears throat> the very first time you go through the lecture hall and you then enter into the nightmare wait what's it called oh the nightmare of mensis yes 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 actually come to think of I it i think that's the one i mean i didn't like that one, the one either. where when when you kind of go out in the open this eye shines at you and you get like a frenzy build up and frenzy is, is sort of a status effect where once the bar fills up you just have like 75 percent of your health taken off yeah it's really annoying and you've kind of just got to get behind something so it can't see you, that sort of thing. And all this time you're getting attacked by these freaky werewolf type things. You got to run to this castle. There's these massive giants lobbing shit at you. You get to the castle and there's shit tons of spiders and a massive spider. <laughs> you get through that. There's this bullshit hunter who still to this day I haven't killed because I just ran past the fucker. <laughs> and then you get through this other area while the hunter is still following you and there's tons of these little gremlins type things that just attack you yeah. and I I haven't ever been back there. I went through it. I found the elevator. I got on that lift and as soon as I found a lamp, that was it. I lit it and I have never returned there. Oh, so what? You're missing out. I think out. maybe I will go back because... 
I should be good enough at the game now that I can take on these dudes and kill that hunter. But yeah, you have to go. Oh back. my lord! There's a there's a boss I have fight. To, I know with the the guy who's dreaming and having that nightmare. I mean, granted, it's not a very good boss fight, but he's got a cage on his head and he's creepy as. <laughs> oh no, I have done that. I, I'm, oh, I'm just saying it was like that particular in-between area, like between one lamp to the next lamp, oh. that section from oh, okay. the start of that nightmare. I, I just found it so difficult and really unpleasant. Okay, that's uh, fair enough. And yeah, the, I guess the nightmare things in general aren't my favorite, really. I mean, I quite liked the the like the final level of the nightmare of Mensis when you're fighting those like Shadow of Yarnum people. Yeah. They're like the bosses, but they haven't got quite as much health. Just because I, I really like those. I always find those quite easy to get visceral attacks on and stuff and parry. And they're all like, I like the design. They just look like Lord of the Rings Black Riders. So <laughs> that area is pretty You talk cool. about the ones that have uh, snake faces. Do they? No, no, I mean, they're just like, they're just hooded. They're just hooded kind of cloaky things. Uh, I might be confusing them with somebody else, but isn't there, they're like three guys in robes that if you get them down to a certain level of health, snakes come out of their robes and then they will summon giant snakes. Yeah, in the bosses, in the boss fight, they do because there's okay. um, just before you enter Bergenworth, you have to fight the Shadow of Yarnum, which is three of these um, shadowy, yeah, that's who cloaked I'm creatures. Of. And then, yeah, I think it's either once you've defeated like one of them, maybe, or, or like got their health down to a certain amount, that's when they start <laughs> their second stage where there are snakes involved. And I think on New Game Plus Plus, there's like giant snakes involved too. Oh yes, I think there's giant Fun snakes. Stuff. It depends on who you kill. Who you leave last, I think, depends on who yeah. summons the giant snakes. They do different things. Yeah. So, favorite bosses. Favorite boss. Okay. Uh, this is, this is going to be a tricky one. I'm going to have to just look through the list to remind myself. Okay. Well, I'll just reiterate that my favorite bosses were Orphan of Cos and also Maria in the DLC. And mm-hmm. for non-DLC bosses, I really liked... No, nah, you know what? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> the other ones gave me a bit of it. Oh no, I like I like Vicar Amelia. I, I really like her design. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I typically liked the the more kind of fast paced, smaller enemies, the ones that are more to scale with you, the more human ones. So your father, Gascoigne's, your um, oh, I forgot about Maria him. from from the DLC. Yeah. They were all pretty interesting because they kind of feel like they're equal sort of thing, and it's just when when you can rely on parries as well. I like that a lot. And so even though I haven't defeated Orphan of Cos yet, I have managed to get a ton of parries on him and I am learning his routine pretty well and uh, I think I can defeat it and it feels kind of fair. So those ones I like a lot, but when it's like the bigger beasts, like Lawrence, the first vicar, for instance, where he's just got like such a huge area of effect that his attacks can hit and you've really got to be dodging all the time. Mm -hmm. Those ones are not so fun. Like Dark Beast Pal, I found particularly annoying as well. Uh, I'm going to put this down to the camera a little bit too because it kept on zooming out a lot and you have to like hit the legs to make it fall down. That's the electric one, right? Yeah, Yeah. it's like the fast-moving giant wolf skeleton thing. I definitely had issues with him as well. Yeah, I did too. Um, You can actually take him on really early in the game when you go to the Unseen Village and I did and I died very quickly and I came back to him later on. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that one was a bit of a pain in the ass. Uh, and all the ones that kind of <laughs> I found difficult, I guess I don't like. So um, the amygdala was kind of a pain in the ass too. Like I, I think I defeated it on the second time, but I used a lot and a lot of blood vials on that one because yeah. I didn't really know what to attack. Sometimes I would attack it and I wouldn't do much damage at all. It's like it has weak points and I didn't really realize that at first. 
But I really like Marta Ligarius too, that one. Oh, yes. I managed to do that one first time, so I was pretty chuffed about that one, but I did use a ton of vials again. And I think for ones that I really didn't like, Abricius, Daughter of the Cosmos. That one was an absolute pain in the ass. Yeah. Really didn't like that one. Yeah, I think I definitely prefer like the humanoid ones as well. The ones yeah. I found most difficult were the Defiled Hound. Oh, that's one of the Chalice Dungeons. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. The Defiled Hound thing in the Chalice Dungeon took me days to get past him. And <laughs> once you complete him, the next floor of the Chalice Dungeon is the Defiled Amygdala. And that oh, one God. was almost as hard, possibly even harder. I think I beat him faster, but when I beat both of those two bosses, the satisfaction I had was huge because I remember like playing for a couple of hours before I would go to bed and then I would wake up on a work day a couple of hours early and then play it in bed while I'm drinking my coffee before I had to get ready for work. And then I remember I finally beat it. And I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> and you were like, I don't even need my coffee today. <laughs> yeah, and I, I had my coffee and nearly shit myself with excitement. <laughs> <laughs> but those two were definitely the hardest and I... I um, well, here's the thing. Because I had the Platinum, I never want to go back and play it again because I, I beat it yeah. and I don't want to have to go through that again. Um, I'm so satisfied that I did do it, but I know that it's been a few years that if I actually tried to do it again, there's no way it's going to happen. Yeah. And of course, with those Defiled Amygdala and those Chalice Dungeon ones, and those particular ones, you only have half health too, don't you? Yeah, I think so. In that particular dungeon, yeah. you have limited health, so... That oh, that's bullshit. Is such a pain. Yeah, I want the platinum for this game because I really like the game. But I've tried doing those chalice dungeons, and I haven't even reached the difficult ones yet. But they're just so boring, man. <laughs> I, I um, really don't like them. <laughs> I don't mind them. They're so tedious. Let's just do the same thing over and over again to get to a boss. Just like give me the boss. Nah. That's all I want to do. No, I like them because um, once you've finished everything within the game and you've beaten everything you possibly can beat, it's more game. So I'm like, sweet, I have more game to play. But it's boring game. But I wasn't bored. <laughs> I liked it. I mean, granted, oh, it's not enough. as good as running around in the regular game, but I liked it. And and there's a randomness to it as well because some of them are actually all of them yeah. procedurally generated. So. Um, if you wanted to, you could play them multiple times. Why you would, I don't know. But once you get to certain bosses, and there are a lot of like actually unique bosses that are hidden within the Chalice Dungeons. So Oh, that's true. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I would go back because I'd quite like to try out some of these new bosses that, uh, that I otherwise would miss. Yeah, they're uh, fun. But yeah, the dungeons, just, I just find them a little bit too... Well, they are repetitive because they're very much the same, aren't they? Well, they're not supposed to be done in bulk. You just kind of like do it as you go. Maybe if I had interspersed Chalice Dungeons with the actual main game, That's then your I problem. would enjoy them more. <laughs> I had played them as I was progressing through the main story, so... To be honest, I thought they were endgame stuff. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, wrong. That's your fault. The Chalice Dungeons are fine. <laughs> How dare you? Whatever. I've beaten the main game. Also, that funny thing, I was watching a ranking of how difficult the bosses were and the guy that was doing the video kept calling Vicar Amelia Vicar. Vicar. Oh. Dude, I saw the same one. I was like, <laughs> fucking <laughs> Americans. Like, Do you not know what they, a vicar is? Do they not have vicars? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> have you not seen Dawn French before? <laughs> vicar of Dibley. <laughs> the Vicar of Dibley. So fucking uneducated. <laughs> Just kidding, American listeners. <laughs> 
Just that guy. Just that guy. That one American. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, to be fair, I saw someone in the comments being like, "Why does he pronounce it like that?" <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because part two as well, he makes it a point to pronounce it correctly. Mm. He's like, "The last one we had was Vicar Amelia." I'm like, "Huh." You read the comments and somebody corrected you. There we go. He's improved. Yeah. <laughs> Did you agree with, with that list, by the way? Um, I mean, obviously, you don't remember most of it. Orphan of Cos was the, the hardest next to Lawrence. Yeah. Well, and then before that, I can't quite remember. <laughs> no, I actually think Orphan of Cos was easier for me than the Defiled Hound thing. Mm -hmm. So, okay. oh man, he was difficult for sure. He took me like almost 10 goes, but I got there at the end. Granted, I had to summon another player, but... That's half the fun. You get to share the experience with somebody else. What, for, for Orphan or for the Defiled things? For Orphan. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't feel so bad about fucking struggling with it then. Yeah, get your bell out and, and get somebody to come help you. That's what it's there for. My bell's always out, but no one comes. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta polish the bell end. Oh, in the game? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, pro look, there's probably not a lot of people that are actually playing it still, but... Dude, I think, I think there are. Are there? Okay. Like... You know when you play the game and you can see the ghost of other people playing? Yeah. There's tons, man. And I regularly get things come up on the screen saying, your note was voted fine. <laughs> and so people are still playing. What level are you, though? Because I know that there is a, a particular cutoff. Oh, I know that. Yeah, the cutoff's 120-something. Yeah. Uh, I'm quite... I'm like 90, maybe. 91. Oh, okay. Maybe you're not high enough, then. Maybe the people that are in that area are a higher level than that. Oh, I was joking. My bell's never out. I was, I was just making a joke. Oh. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> it wasn't very funny because I didn't realize it was a joke. <laughs> uh, I, I tried. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've persisted this long and I'm so close to defeating him that I just want to defeat him on my own. I want that pride. Even if it's going to drive me insane and make me hate the game, I kind of want to do it on my own. Uh, all right, well, go ahead and do it. But I had a lot of fun beating it with somebody else. And they actually didn't okay. even really help me that much. <laughs> they ended up dying. Like, you know what? What's interesting that in some of the story bosses you have the option to summon an npc yes did you do that uh i think i did for a couple of them yeah yeah because interestingly like i was doing it for bloodstarved beast when you can summon alfred mm -hmm. and i think that the problem with it is i think it also increases the amount of health the bloodstarved beast has or also like how much damage it does something along these lines certain bosses it definitely makes them harder yeah for sure and the, the one time I didn't summon Alfred was the time I defeated it. Yeah. I'm sure that's like slightly coincidence and luck, but also, yeah, make, makes it more difficult. Yeah. So um, it's cool though. I mean, I used that for Abricius, Daughter of the Cosmos, and I, that like rinsed it first time after doing that. Yeah. So it's super helpful. Yeah, there are definitely bosses where it scales up either their hit points or the, the damage they do. But I tend to always go with summoning people anyway, because in some of the other Souls games... It's, it's linked to some character side quests. So, for example, Sig... What's his name? Sigfrid of Catalina? Something like that. Sigmund of Catalina? Sigfrid? Whatever. <laughs> Catalina! The guy that... The <laughs> Onion Knight. You need to summon him into certain battles so you can progress his storyline. So, I just always summon whoever's available because I'm like, oh, this could be something to do with a quest. So, come and help me. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And I have, like, did you ever jump into anyone else's game? Just like randomly? No, I don't think I ever did. I, I did it a few times. I remember when I first got to Old Yarnum and I was kind of struggling there. I thought maybe I'll just like level up a few times or just join someone else's game so I can learn the area a bit. 
And yeah, I did that. It was really fun. Were you an enemy or a helpful person? Oh, no, I wasn't like an invader. I was okay. I was ringing the, uh, the bell to help. All right, fair enough. Did you know that if you either bring somebody into your game or you go into their game, it opens them up for phantom invaders? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass <laughs> that. And I did have to uh, fight off like one... I mean, it happened a few times in the in the frontiers or the nightmare frontier where you have like a a bell, a sinister bell woman. Yeah, <laughs> a sinister woman rings a bell. <laughs> those sort of things, and it opens up to uh, to invaders. Yeah, that happened a few times. I actually love That's that a pain in the ass as well. It is cool, but I did die at least twice because of them. Look, it's a staple of the Souls games because in Dark Souls, you if you as long as you're human, um, so this in Dark Souls one. You've either died before and lost your humanity or you've gotten your humanity back by spending a humanity. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> when you're human, is what I'm trying to say is when you're human, it opens you up to being invaded by phantoms. So anybody mm-hmm. else in any other game who has a, I think it's like a cracked red eye orb or something can invade your game and kill you for fun and shits and giggles. So it happens all the time in the Souls games and... It's interesting because in this one, that only really happens when you have somebody else that's in your game to be helpful. It doesn't just happen for no reason like it does in the earlier games. So I just love that because it's kind of, it's almost like a nostalgic thing now. It's like, oh, sweet, someone's here to kill me. <laughs> Let's see how good they are. And if, and if you really find it irritating, you could just go on offline mode. Yeah, true. So yeah, it's easy to avoid if you really get annoyed with it. Yeah. It really doesn't happen very much unless you have the bell out all the time. But for me, it wasn't wasn't uh, a problem. Yeah. only happened probably like four times throughout my entire playthrough. Oh, the Soulsborne games are just like this brilliant kind of non-MMO MMO type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like you play with yeah. people online without ever seeing them because in, in all of them, you leave like notes and shit on the floor so other players can just read your note. And some people will troll you, <laughs> like tell you in, in Dark Souls in particular, they'll be like, take a leap of faith and it will be a note rather than yeah. edge of a cliff. <laughs> take a step forward. Yeah. yeah. It's bad though, because some of these notes will say the exact same thing and there will be a secret if you just take a step forward. Yeah. But because of this, you like, you don't know which ones to trust, but fortunately you can like rate them fine or foul. So if they are trustworthy or not and... um. Yeah, like, don't trust one that isn't roaded fine that's telling you to walk off a cliff. <laughs> oh, I just think it's so funny, especially in the first game, because there it was legitimately like, oh, shit, there are secrets that are hidden here that I wouldn't have no idea about until somebody had actually like pointed it out to me. And then there's another one which is just like, oh, attack this, and you attack it, and you fucking die, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I particularly enjoy the way or the language that is used and the way the notes uh, are done is that you have to choose from a select few words that they have on the game you can't just write them out with a keyboard you have to use the words that are that are available to you to, to create a note and there's such weird language and it really matches the game it's like they've kind of got a specific type of uh words and, and language that just just really match like um despicable and wondrous all these things that you kind of associate with bloodborne now whenever i see those words it's just like ah this is bloodborne language i'm reading uh i wish i could remember what um there's one Pitiful, note really yeah there's one <laughs> note in particular which is like dark souls related which oh shit i can't even remember what it is but it's like 
it basically uses the predetermined words and then rearranges them to say essentially like lick this girl's ass. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like, I can't there was there was one time when <laughs> you approached this massive boar from behind and you can get like a visceral on it and just directly underneath him it says wondrous tight spot <laughs> it's just like <laughs> the boar's ass yeah. it's beautiful i love it there's this one in um in dark souls 3 there'll be a woman who sells you shit and she's in a wheelchair and there's a note sometimes that people post which says weakness left leg then right leg <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just love like uh, it's so Soulsborn community interactions. It's hilarious. Yeah, honestly, the notes are such a cool feature. I yeah. really love them. Did you ever leave any yourself? Um, I think I tried a couple of troll notes before in other Dark Souls games, but Bloodborne in particular, I didn't really make much use of it. Mm. I kind of had more like tunnel vision to just just complete the game rather than yeah. fuck around with the extra stuff. And like the people that I I summon into my games usually only really brought them into really, really tough fights if I had to. Otherwise, I had basically no interaction with anybody online. And that's mostly because the place where I was living at the time had terrible internet. So it would just drop out anyway. Yeah. Fair dues, fair dues. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I left a few because this was like since I learned that if your note was rated fine, you get some of your health back, like your health uh, regains. So I was like, this is cool. Might as well leave some. <laughs> Very nice. I can't say it's helped me yet, but I know that some of mine have been voted up. So, you know, I'll take it. Take it where you can get it. Yeah, I might be just about to die in my orphan of cos fight and then someone upvotes one of my notes and my health refills and I'll be like, yes, I can defeat you now. <laughs> it might happen, man. <laughs> maybe, maybe. All right. So is there anything else in your notes that you can think of? Because I'm pretty much done, I think. Um. Yep. I have two more things. Okay. Included... Uh, the music and the voice acting oh yes i don't think we have too much to say for either but just to say that the music and the voice acting are both amazing in this game i think yeah and combined with the voice acting the actual audio the way it sounds it's so strange there's a kind of hollowness like a vacancy to all the people yeah and it's really kind of unnerving and i love it (laughs) oh yeah Uh, i've heard before people complain about the voice acting in these games but it just works so well. Like Dark Souls 1 in particular, you would be forgiven for thinking it is bad voice acting as a knee-jerk reaction. But the more that you listen to it, the more you realize that the whole world itself, and this this goes for Bloodborne as well, because everything is so bleak and grim and moody that the way that yeah. people speak, it's not a natural way people talk. It's... Yeah just how people talk in this world that is so fucked up and a lot of people who have like have lost all hope (laughs) you just you hear it in their voices like they just sound like they've completely given up on life yeah they don't sound human anymore exactly and that's just the world so if if you listen to that as a person that's coming from a game like i don't know uh last of us or something like that which is like in-game voice acting performance pedigree and then you come to a yep. game like this, it might be a little bit off-putting, but it works so well for the context of this game that I think it's like legitimately really excellent. I totally agree. It's yeah. just creepy. It's just creepy so and it works so well. I think they yeah. use like reverb. Uh, and the music, yeah. I mean, it's it's dramatic. It's perfect. Can't really fault it. It's very cool. Orchestral. Yeah, orchestral kind of epic scores. 
I mean, some of them, like the final boss, is quite relaxing and almost uh, chilling. Yeah. But they really fit well. And there's only really music for the boss fights, I believe. I don't think there's anything in the area between bosses. Is that right? Um, it's it's usually sort of like ambient stuff. So yeah. um, you won't hear any like massive orchestral, we're going on a journey type of music. Yeah, in there's the no like distinct motif repeating as you play it's um yeah yeah it might just be subtle background thing that you might not even notice exactly hence me thinking that there might not be any (laughs) i know there's definitely some stuff there like i can't think of any examples exactly but it's in all of these games they tend to be very sort of ambient and subtle until you get to the boss fights in which case it's like ramped up and then adrenaline pumping orchestral shit making you panic (laughs) but other than that they they don't really try and manipulate your emotions by playing music at you until it's a boss yeah, fight. It's not it's not like invasive or annoying. Yeah. It's not like, oh, it's yeah. time to listen to Tifa's theme or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. But for me the boss music is where that where it's at and just listening to that kind of outside the game is is very cool. <laughs> to find this this phrase what one of the notes you mean yeah i'm finding some funny ones like woman required ahead then try head <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole reddit thread on this man the <sighs> one here says treat tight spot with care but reeks of warm blood <laughs> <laughs> i love that i always love the the no mercy for wheelchairs too because those wheelchair enemies <laughs> are pain in the asses too oh here it is Try tongue butthole. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's glorious. Uh, classic. All right. Um, so, yeah. recommendations. Tell me, are you now a Soulsborne fan? Well, I, I can't say I'm a Soulsborne fan, man. I can just say I'm a Bourne fan. Okay. Uh, Jason Bourne in particular. <laughs> <laughs> You're born again. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, man, I, I love this game. I can't can't really say too many bad things against it. It's easily one of my favorite games on PS4. See, easily. I fucking told you so. I you did, man, told you and so. I'm so glad I came back to it. Yeah, <laughs> I I keep nagging people all the time. I'm like, you have to play Bloodborne. And they're like, no, 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 it's too hard. I'm like, no, really, just do it. And then they just don't do it. But then I'm glad that you finally fucking did it. And now you can see what I've been talking about all this time. It's so yeah. good. Well, it's, it's like it's you and everyone else because you see how, how like critically acclaimed this game is. Yeah. And when I, when I kind of quit out of it last year, I thought like something's wrong here. If it's, that, if it's really that good, then why did I delete it? But yeah, come back to it. And now I understand what everyone's raving about. So I'm with you, man. I, yeah. I'll probably be also recommending this to everyone as well, eh? I think it's the stigma of of Dark Souls in general 
being a hard game and being for hardcore people. So people just automatically think that, oh, okay, it's just like a, a gamer cred thing. You have to play it to be hardcore and that's only mm. why, I mean, that's the only reason why people like it so much is because they're hardcore. And it's like, no, it's it's not about that. I'm not that hardcore. This game was a fucking struggle for me, but the payoff was so big that my, my level of enjoyment from it was huge it's probably like one of my favorite games i would get a dark souls tattoo if i could (laughs) i love the franchise as a whole but yeah so that's why i keep recommending it to everybody and i'm glad that now you finally see things my way and can appreciate how good it actually is so obviously for me it's a no-brainer absolute recommendation if you haven't played it before by all means go ahead and do it and do not be a pussy (laughs) yeah and fucking hell if you've had ps plus you you may already have this game for free yeah so even more reason to jump in and even if you don't pay for it it's worth every single dollar and it's considered one of playstation hits now so it's cheap as chips anyway it is is very cheap and also the dlc is currently on sale as of this point so it's it probably goes on sale often just pick it up it's worth it yeah definitely and uh yeah Elden ring is coming soon i think i probably will jump into dark souls 3 at some point too because i've been told that that's like as far as Dark Souls goes, that one's kind of has the ability to, to do like a no-shield playthrough, which makes it similar to Bloodborne. Um, <laughs> I might try that. It's the most like Bloodborne. So mm. what happened was because Bloodborne was so fast and Dark Souls is typically so slow, especially in movement. Bit of a contrast. Yeah, they sped up Dark Souls 3 to to take some of that Bloodborne influence into it. I do recommend that you still use a shield though, but... Uh, you're definitely a lot faster than that so i would worry that if you play dark souls 3 and then you went back to one or two you're going to have a much harder time with those two games but who cares do it anyway well to be honest with you man i've installed neo so i might go to that first oh yeah i gave up on that one but we'll see i mean i tried the demo of that and i fucking found it too difficult so (laughs) we'll see i don't know yeah i mean it's worth a shot but anyway so what game are we going to be doing in the next episode okay well, we, as in you and I, will mm-hmm. be playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. And the reason for that is, like Control, this game came out on PS Plus recently. And neither of us had owned it, but both of us want to play it. So we've shuffled it up the list. Yeah, I can't say no to that game. I want to try it. And yeah, likewise. In the interim, probably next week, I'll actually be releasing a bonus episode with Brian Miller from the Play Your Way podcast. So keep an eye out for that because he and I played Zelda the Minish Cap on Game Boy Advance. So that should be a fun discussion. But yeah, otherwise, Final Fantasy VII Remake coming up. Get hyped, bruh. Yeah. I've already played a little bit of it and I've got a lot of opinions. (laughs) Oh, me too, man. Me too. (laughs) It might not be positive, but I haven't decided yet. I'm still on the fence. (laughs) Yeah, there's a a long way for me to go yet before I can come up with that kind of decision. Yeah, my knee-jerk reaction, though, is not a positive one. All I'm going to say is the music is slightly blowing my mind at times. That's that's one of the positives I can say. Yeah. Okay, how about this then? All I'll say is that it has some of the worst door textures in a game I have seen since Resident Evil 1 on PlayStation 1. Oh, 
That's a fair comment. That's yeah. a fair comment. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't like your door textures, or if you if you really care about your door textures, maybe don't tune into our next uh, Final Fantasy episode. Yeah. Look, something went wrong with the texturing in this game. But other than that, well, I haven't played enough of it to give a valid judgment. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Sponsors. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Forgot that we did That's that. We always forget. <sighs> All right. So. Ooh. Okay. This episode is sponsored by my arthritis gloves, which I've been wearing through this podcast to make my hands hurt less. And are they working? Yes. They're called Copper Heel. Something to do with like copper lined gloves because copper apparently heals arthritis. Who'd have thought? Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. And also it can keep slugs off your plants. It sounds like bullshit, but I think it's working. It sounds like snorting rhino horn to make your <laughs> make your penis bigger that sort of bollocks yeah should just use a rhino horn dildo that does the same thing anyway uh what's <laughs> your protect the rhinos people <laughs> <laughs> uh this episode was sponsored by number one patron taylor swift the queen of the bad bloods <laughs> thanks taylor thanks taylor we love you um and socials twitter at bad backlog Twitch, good, bad, backlog. Instagram, good, bad, backlog. Not even going to bother with YouTube. And then Spreadshirt. What's a Spreadshirt? I've forgotten. You can find our merch at Spreadshirt.com slash good, bad, backlog. There we go. Okay. I think it's time to go. Okay. Bye-zy-bye. Goodbye.